Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and this is Jazz's Travel. Everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of Jazz is Travel. This is our weekly podcast series of conversations with or about groundbreaking and innovative artists from different parts of the world. And the aim of this series is to highlight the importance and significance of jazz and creative music in different parts of the globe touching on the influence of various music traditions and varied cross-cultural projects. Sara Serpa is a singer, composer, improviser who, through her practice and performance, explores the use of the voice as an instrument. She was born in Lisbon in Portugal and moved to New York in 2008, where she resides to this day and where she really began to create ethereal music, drawing from a broad variety of inspiration, including literature, film, visual arts, as well as history and nature. Her new album, Intimate Strangers, is a collaboration with Nigerian author Emmanuel Eduma, and much of it revolves around stories of his own experience and the experiences of others that he collected in his book, A Stranger's Pose, which revolves around such topics as migration and displacement. The album will be released on the 3rd of December on Biophilia Records. Well, the record is essentially a document of a multimedia performance piece with music, spoken word and images. The album stands on its own legs and is a powerful experience that continues a narrative Serpa began in 2020 with a recognition project that will be discussed during this very podcast. So without further ado, fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Sara Serpa. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Jazz is Travel. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you. Uh, you know, I understand that you're speaking to us from uh, New York. Is that right? Exactly. I'm cool. in Harlem. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, Sarah, this is the first time that we speak. Uh, so it's a pleasure. And uh, But I wanted to begin our conversation with an icebreaker question uh, okay. to kind of also get help me get a sense i guess of your journey and formation as a musician as an uh, and as an artist so was there an event in your life perhaps in your early life when you and music first significantly 
met? I mean, an event that helped you understand that music was the path for you. You know, that's an interesting question because since I'm seven years old, music is part of my life. I started playing piano and singing in a choir and um, in Lisbon. And this lasted at least until I was 17 years old, like for 10 years. So every weekend my life was filled with all these um, musical schedules. And we toured quite a bit with the choir, you know, going to France and Spain and having concerts in Portugal. But I never really saw myself as a professional musician or, or never, yeah, never really imagined that I would be a professional musician because I, I didn't have any role models and I didn't even think that was a possibility. And certainly, like, I didn't see myself being a professional musician in the um, uh, Western classical musical world. So, uh, so then there was a period where things were a little muddy for me, <laughs> where I tried, you know, I, I went to college and, you know, this was kind of something that my parents insisted, you know, like you have to have a degree, you know. Um, and so I, I first attempted to go to uh, arts college, like uh, the University of uh, Fine Arts in Lisbon. And I did two years of painting. And then I realized like I didn't have the dedication that my colleagues had. Um, so I, I, I changed and transferred to a psychology college where I studied and graduated from so, uh, social work, basically. And it was only when I was finishing this uh, degree that I gave kind of my last attempt to music and I went to jazz school, the jazz school in Lisbon, the hot club. And that's when things clicked. That was really like, suddenly it was like, oh, I can make um, music. I can have fun, you know, like all the background that I have is useful. And there's all these different ways of, just different new challenges like improvisation, uh, playing in a band. Um, so it was a whole new world that opened for me really when when I went to the hot club jazz school. So, I mean, by this time then you had identified jazz as a style or a genre of music that could help you express yourself and just maybe things that you were perceiving around you. Yes, I mean, it allowed a lot of freedom, um, you know, and... My teachers at back then were also bringing in tunes by uh, contemporary jazz musicians, you know, people who were playing in Portugal. Mm. And that kind of opened the world, you know, for me, like you can create your own music. And I was really drawn to challenging melodies, you know, I was like, I can do these, I want to be able to do these, I want to be able to interact with instruments like they do with each other, you know, so there was this very strong desire to be part of the band and understand what was happening. Mm. I don't think I understood ex very much what jazz was. I mean, it was a genre that existed, you know, like my parents would listen to it, but I didn't have any clue of its historical background or, you know, like there was, it was mainly the music, but there was a very strong power and energy in this music that was very liberating. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. And uh, as we said, you are speaking from New York, uh, exactly. but uh, are originally from Lisbon and Portugal. Mm -hmm. And you moved there in 2008, right? Yes. I mean, I first, so like, just kind of long story short, 
So then, you know, when jazz started becoming more serious for me, and then it became something that I wanted to do all my free time, uh, I started going, attending all these summer courses in Europe, and then eventually I came to Boston for a five-week program at Berklee College of Music. And that's where, like, suddenly my world really opened up to, you know, there were so many possibilities here, not to mention, like, a school with amazing facilities, all these community of international musicians from everywhere so i i was uh i i applied i got scholarships and i moved to boston in 2005 and i attended berkeley for three semesters and then i was able to transfer to new england conservatory and i did my master's there mm. and only when i graduated from nec then i moved to new york right yeah and so what did that mean for you when uh, you moved to New York? Did the move kind of help you get more involved in the in the creative music scene? Each step had its different challenges. Uh, one was moved to a, a place, a different country, you know, where I had never been, different culture, different language, different everything. Sure. Um, and then coming to New York was a shock also because we, we have these idea this very dreamlike idea of new york but when you come here like and try to make a living and try to be here it's very it's very challenging very right. hard you know, there's a lot of loneliness too um but i think i was there was a combination of events that i was fortunate to have them happening which um you know i was i started singing with greg osby and i i played at the village vanguard when i moved to new york so that mm. was you know big opportunity for me and and i was able to promote my so my new album my first album came when i also moved to new york so i was able to play in different places in new york uh, so there were there were all these great coincidences happening simultaneously yeah. that allowed you know uh, uh, gave me a fuller perspective of what it meant to be in new york instead of just like the hustle and just like trying to pay the rent and trying to find a job uh, and a, a place to stay, yeah. Right, which are our fears that are always there, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Always kind of, everyone kind of always worries about that. Yes. No, but I mean, yes, I mean, I've, I've heard uh, several artists and musicians say that, you know, the move to New York is kind of like a, this huge step. And for some people, you know, it can make or break you, you know, but, uh, but it sounds like you, and then from there on, I mean, if we move ahead to maybe more recent times, skip ahead, I guess, <laughs> uh, when I think of uh, your work and that you've released in them. In the, in the last period, uh, including your 2020 multimedia project, really, mm -hmm. uh, recognition and your upcoming, uh, album recording of Intimate Strangers, which we'll talk about, uh, a little bit more. Uh, we also did mention that your interest in jazz, jazz would somehow linked with its history as well as the music itself and the, uh, possibility of expression through jazz. So during this time then, from 2008 to maybe recent times, did you still always think that you had something that you wanted to say through your music and your projects? I mean, I think like that's the ultimate goal to be to to express ourselves through the music we make. I think like because I, I navigated between the classical world to jazz and here in New York, for sure, there's a lot of more cross pollination between you know, fields, people play with each other and there's a lot of playing with more in free improvisation, you know, like, or then more kind of straight ahead 
um, I feel there's always room for self-expression in each situation. Um, yeah. What I, I mean, but I have always felt like a desire to create and to compose, to to create music and to to in particular, you know, like I think at the beginning. Now I'm able to express myself in English, but coming from Portugal, you know, English was not a, a, the language where I expressed emotions or thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, like it was just the music you hear, you you don't even connect. There's not a very deep connection. There wasn't a very deep connection with the language. And I think that was a, a process that started when I moved to the States and specifically when I came to New York. You know, for a long time, there was a desire, like I, I want to study literature, you know, like I want to be able to express myself through English because I feel like... Um, you know, I lack vocabulary. I, I sometimes don't understand things. Um, so there was a, always a very deep interest in, there's, in understanding the culture and the language. Um, yeah. But before that, it was just wordless. You know, for me, that was the first, the more more intuitive approach was like wordless. I can say so many things without words, just like instrumentalists do. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying, actually, because this is something that I wanted to, to ask you about. Uh, the concept of the word being an instrument is, I guess, uh, relatively common in the sense that people use that expression. But you actually do it in your, in your music. You still do it, even though you yeah. obviously have no problem with the language anymore. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you still use it. And even in this uh, new work, Intimate Strangers, there are moments when uh, the singing is powerful, but there are no words. So this is a concept that is pretty, that remains important to you, right? Yes, yes, for sure. I think like singing wordless connects, you know, interacting as an instrumentalist uh, connects me with different parts, you know, activates different parts of my brain uh-huh. than when I use words, you know, and, and the use of words, there's always like a storytelling element and, um, yeah. and, and, and very direct access to people's imaginations when you use words. And I think like when there's lack of words, there's more ambiguity and people can actually imagine whatever they want. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that too. Yeah. Um, and for me, like the study of improvisation and just kind of, you know, how to have a good sound, how to have good time feel, how to be a part of the a band or ensemble, that's, that's a constant um, fascination for me and just how to be better. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. And uh, uh, of course, uh, there are moments uh, where, like I said, uh, there are no words, but the singing mm-hmm. is, is really powerful. Then, of course, there are also moments with words because uh, Intimate Strangers is a, a, a collaboration uh, with Nigerian author Emmanuel Iduma. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you two meet? And can you tell me a bit more about the origins of, uh, of this project? I mean, I think actually I came across Emmanuel's work um, on Instagram at the time I was researching for recognition because Emmanuel was doing a lot of posts on archive and visual archive. And that was what I was dealing with at the moment when I discovered all these silent films uh, that my grandfather made in Angola and just how to process this, uh, this visual content that I didn't witness, you know, and how do we process it like 30 or 40 years later or 50, you know, so, and I reached out, I reached out to him and said, um, 
you know, I, I, I would love to, to meet and talk or just show you my work because I would love to have your, your feedback or your opinion. And, and it was great because Emmanuel was very generous and um, we met and we talked and we shared, uh, we shared information. <laughs> nice. um, and there was always, and, and the, the, in the first encounter, we kind of expressed both like, oh, it'd be great to collaborate, but it was very vague, you know, it was just kind of up in the air. Um, and I think a few months later, like John Zorn uh, commissioned me to present a new piece um, at the National Sawdust. And I immediately thought about Emmanuel. I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. And, and Emmanuel was finishing his book, you know, so there was like all these, again, like nice coincidence that his book was coming out on that, e that same year. And then it was more, you know, just kind of how can we make something together? Yeah. And it was a whole new experience for me because first I'm collaborating with a living writer, you know, like a living author. And not just that, Emmanuel helped a lot in designing the performance, the images, um, so and, and and then he participates too in in the performance. So he's the narrator. So so basically he's he's always the connection to reality, while the music and the images can uh, evoke like imaginary worlds. You know, like I think Emmanuel is always the voice that brings us back to reality, where he's himself. Lejam returned from his travels, first west and not Africa than South and West Europe. There was a world prior to my journeys, then a world after. He told me this. The people I have seen, the people whose stories I cannot forget, he said. What you are hearing just now is a track from Sara Serpa's collaborative record with Nigerian author Emmanuel Iduma, Intimate Strangers, that will be released on the 3rd of December on Biophilia Records. The album also continues a narrative that Serpa began with her 2020 release, Recognition, music for a silent film, which grappled with the legacy of Portuguese colonialism in Africa via her own family's history. Intimate Strangers is, in a way, the mirror image of that project, gazing back at colonial powers from the vantage point of Africa itself. Here is the second part of our conversation with Sara Serpa. ...encamped behind the hill, possibly in Ceuta, waiting for the right time to make a run for the fence, day after day waiting for some, year after year. Being driven to the border, Najam asked the driver to stop close to the foot of the hill. About 25 boys encircled him, their number rising like water finding its level. 
it's interesting again what you said that you it was a collaboration with a living person <laughs> uh, because it kind of makes me think too uh, of recognition. The two works are kind of connected with each other, uh, both I find anyways, both uh, thematically and also as a process because they're both essentially multimedia works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just for people who maybe are not familiar with recognition. I'm just going to summarize it very, very briefly. It's a multimedia work dealing with uh, Portugal's history of colonial oppression and subjugation of native peoples in Angola. Uh, and so in that work too, that was also a collaboration in a sense because a lot of it had been inspired by what was also a part of this multimedia project that was uh, basically home movies, right? Taken uh, by uh, your your grandfather, right? Yes, these were super eight films, um, silent films mm-hmm. that I, you know, that my mother came across with and I digitalized the films and then, you know, then, and then it was just suddenly I had this window to, you know, to a reality, which, you know, I have seen, basically, I just also want to just add, like, my whole family has connections with Angola. My grandfather was born there. Uh, my mother and my father were born there. So, like, there in until from 1910 until 1960, there's a lot of uh, the, my whole family sp- spent time um, in Angola, yeah. and um, and I didn't know about it. I mean, I knew, but. I, I had only seen a few pictures, you know, that wasn't really, and my parents were children, you know, so, so like, um, I didn't have like a very accurate image of what was life there, you know, it was just, and I think once I moved to the United States, I think actually it was jazz that brought me to this history of mm. my country, you know, because while like jazz education in Europe at the time I started learning didn't focus much on you know the civil rights movement or like what uh, black Americans uh, musicians had to go through you know like and where this music came from the moment I came to New York you know this was evident in everywhere I you know especially in Harlem you know like and there were all these questions about slave trade you know because people in Portugal uh, there was barely any conversation around slave trade, around colonialism. This has always been very silenced. Mm-hmm. So these questions have been with me for a long time. And at some point there was a free time opportunity to, and uh, um, again, it was John Zorn who kind of invited me to be part of this series where it was combining film with music and I could present whatever I wanted. And I, I was very naive. I was like, okay, I'll create my own film. Yeah. And, um, and, and so it was through the process of research. I was researching pictures. Then I came across with the films. And then I contacted the director, film director in Portugal to help me create this new narrative where um, how could we tell a different story about Portuguese colonialism using these images. So while it's not biographic, you know, the film is not biographic. It's more kind of a national a perspective of, um, a different perspective of uh, national history. Yeah. Um, it has a very personal component because it was my grandfather who made the films, um, and I right. had to ask questions to my both my parents, you know, and and it's and and there, there's a lot of trauma around the whole this whole period mm-hmm. um, for all parts involved. So 
it's uh, it was not it's, it was not an easy project. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know that's the way it feels. Of, of course, you know, uh, experiencing it. So I can only imagine what it, that that it would have been quite challenging to to go through it. Uh, but uh, just to link it up with your with intimate strangers, then from what you just said, because this. Uh, uh, this project is uh, very much revolves around uh, Iduma's narration and uh, the, the stories from his book, which are stories that uh, that talk about his personal experiences and stories he encountered on the road in his travels. And these are stories that deal with migration and you know just the experience of uh, of being in those in those types of situations, uh, displacement and uh, all of these things. So just in the same way that you tried to establish a personal connection with the videos that your grandfather had filmed and perhaps even, <laughs> you know, the national uh, history of your country, uh, did you find it difficult to uh, uh, establish a personal relationship with his stories and the stories he had gathered in his book? Or what was that process like? Uh, I mean, I do feel like while recognition dealt with past, the past, I do feel that... Emmanuel's books re uh, recounts many contemporary stories of displacement and loss, you know, and grief and migration, you know. So, so um, I think it deals with the present moment, which seems endless because these stories keep coming up. They're always the same, you know, and, and uh, I think for me it has, this process has been more kind of how do we, Europeans, you know, and how do we like people who live or in privileged societies that have access and freedom of mobility uh, engage and confront the the reality of these people, you know, who don't have that freedom and who who have suffered horrors and are trying to have a better life and are not allowed to. Um, so, so I feel like it's a it's still something that. You know, I read about it every day, you know, and, and just it's more kind of how can we create more awareness of these and how can we actually see each other as, you know, a stranger, as someone that is a human being be, besides everything, you know, and that has the, the same desires, the same fears as we all have. Um, right. So, and how who's stranger and who isn't, you know, and I think here also I deal with my own, experience as a migrant although like i'm a privileged migrant right i i also have left my my home country and i have been a foreigner here in the united states and um and how it is how 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 is that feeling of not having your family around not having your um language your you know your habits and culture yeah. and um and being judged constantly by your interactions you know so so yeah i think that was that personal element and there's, there's also my, my really personal element of caring about this and just kind of kind of how do we process and deal with this reality and maybe for me it has been through music um and i mean i do feel that people that have attended the performances you know it's not like a joyful easy performance <laughs> you know there's a, there's very there's very sad stories, but also like, how do we deal with these stories and, and uh, um, how can we step out of our own reality and little world and see other things and, and be a little bit more compassionate towards that. So, yeah, yeah. 
empathy then is that is that an important thing for you to uh, perhaps is it also even important as you are creating the music as you're coming up with these ideas yeah i think empathy always but also awareness that we all have some kind of power to change mm. things or to bring awareness to things you know yeah. we instead of thinking oh i have my own stuff to deal with <laughs> yeah, yeah, mentality yeah. it's more kind of like how how can we use this and create something through music through art and still express our concerns and uh worries and joys and uh, sadnesses through music and through art and it was very it was great to collaborate with Emmanuel you know like I think again for me it was the first time I was producing it, it's kind of like a it's not the theatrical piece we're not acting sure. but there's a lot of elements of you know the images changing in the background the narration when does the narration come when does it come out um you know but where there is do we yeah, stand? It, yeah there is definitely a visual power to to the recording itself because mm -hmm. uh you, you've also got sort of uh, uh noises from streets and from places that it, you know I, I when i was listening to it i i i had my eyes closed you know i tried to <laughs> kind of picture it i think that's yeah. that's actually an, uh, some advice you know anyone who is going <laughs> to want to listen to this you know just close your eyes you know at least uh, once as you go through it and and uh, you'll definitely be transported, uh, that's for sure. Just to compliment what you were saying and what we were talking about earlier, I felt that it was it would be right at least to kind of represent Iduma's uh, words because obviously he's not part of this interview yeah. today. But he did say that, uh, and I quote, my collaborative performance with Sarah uh, brought me closer to understanding how words worked in a pre-literate time uh, when writing was yet to be invented, when stories were passed from... Uh, mouth to mouth, from memory to memory. I think that's an interesting thought, and uh, it really makes me makes me think. Uh, so, Sarah, we've definitely run out of time. <laughs> we've exceeded uh, the time that I promised. Actually, for this interview, I knew it because I knew it would be a fascinating conversation. I just wanted to kind of further understand. Um, well, I guess we just mentioned too, because we talked about, uh, this piece, uh, having been a multimedia work, a performance work. Now it comes out as a recorded album. Do you think that this makes it something else entirely, uh, an independent entity that maybe <laughs> opens up possibilities for a different kind of connection? I mean, I'm not sure. I think for sure, like it requires uh, more engagement for, from the listener, you know, because there are really stories being told. There's much more narration and spoken word than any other album that I've had. And it has been, um, and, and uh, there's a big connection with the words, the text. Um, so, so I think it's an, it's a, an object in itself, just this experience of, it, it basically it's a journey, you know, and, and it was very hard for me, for example, to choose singles or to separate songs. Like, what is the best song to, promote on this or you know because it's really hard to separate it like it's all part it, there's a sequence to the thought to the album basically we at the beginning we have Emmanuel in Nigeria then he starts moving around and at the end he comes back you know to his memories and to his um, um, affections and emotional connections with his I think at the time his partner so so mm -hmm. I think there's um there's the mobility itself on on we are all mobile people i think at this point yeah. <laughs> you know so 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 
and those all the intersections of that mobility i think it's interesting to notice in the album but i i i'm really you know that for me there's always a moment where i think oh this is not great it's not an album <laughs> you know there's always a moment of kind of not this is do people will people like this will they understand <laughs> um but then like seeing the full picture yes i mean the, it's the only thing i could do you know so i really yeah. hope people people can absorb it and appreciate it and enjoy it and understand it <laughs> well i i think the, i think those uh these these are probably doubts everyone has right when they put something out they they just ask themselves is this gonna mean something to somebody so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I personally can say that I thought it was a very powerful experience. So and okay. and uh, for sure I thank you very much for joining us and talking with us about it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Matt. My pleasure. <laughs> for you I must I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sara Serpa. Her new album, Intimate Strangers, will be released on the 3rd of December on Biophilia Records. And I also hope you will join me again next week for a new episode of Jazz's Travel. In the meantime, why not check out more content on jazzes.com? That's our regularly updated website for both the jazz newbies and aficionados, with news, reviews, playlists and all sorts of goodies. And you get even more when you subscribe. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.